Hi all, and welcome to a very quick bonus episode of Physical Attraction. Now you'll know that we are in the midst of a series about uh, technology, inequality and global catastrophic risks, which has been inspired in part by a book by Walter Scheidel, who is a professor of classics and history at Stanford University. And um, this series is actually, I checked, it's been in the making since 2018. I started writing the initial script of this. Um, it's only finally seeing the light of day now, which gives you an idea of how uh, some of the production process works here. But um, I noted that a lot of what we are saying in that will need to be reinterpreted or changed in light of the coronavirus pandemic. And I thought it was interesting that Walter Scheidel himself has actually written a New York Times opinion piece on how he thinks that the coronavirus might uh, map onto changes in inequality in accordance with his thesis. And I just thought, well, I might as well read it out to you guys as a, as a bonus piece of content. So this is all from the New York Times op-ed by Mr. Scheidel, and I hope you enjoy it. He writes, quote, In the fall of 1347, rat fleas carrying bubonic plague entered Italy on a few ships from the Black Sea. Over the next four years, a pandemic tore through Europe and the Middle East. Panic spread as the lymph nodes in victims' armpits and groins swelled into buboes, black blisters that covered their bodies. Fevers soared and organs failed. Perhaps a third of Europe's people perished. Giovanni Bossiano's Decameron offers an eyewitness account. When the graves were full, huge trenches were excavated in the churchyards, into which new arrivals were placed in their hundreds, stowed tier upon tier like ship's cargo. According to Agnolo de Tura of Siena, so many died that all believed it was the end of the world. And yet this was only the beginning. The plague returned a mere decade later, and periodic flare-ups continued for a century and a half, thinning out several generations in a row. Because of this destructive plague, which devastated nations and caused populations to vanish, the Arab historian Ibn Khaldun wrote, the entire inhabited world changed. The wealthy found some of these changes alarming. In the words of an anonymous English chronicler, such a shortage of labourers ensued that the humble turned up their noses at employment, and could scarcely be persuaded to serve the eminent for triple wages. Influential employers, such as large landowners, lobbied the English crown to pass the ordinance of labourers, which informed workers that they were obliged to accept the employment offered for the same measly wages as before. But as successive waves of plague shrank the workforce, hired hands and tenants took no notice of the king's command, as the Augustinian clergyman Henry Knighton complained. He said, quote, if anyone wanted to hire them, he had to submit to their demands, for either his fruit or standing corn would be lost, or he had to pander to the arrogance and greed of the workers. As a result in this shift of balance between labour and capital, we now know, thanks to painstaking research by economic historians, that real incomes of unskilled workers doubled across much of Europe within a few decades. According to tax records that have survived in the archives of many Italian towns, wealth inequality in most of these places plummeted. In England, workers ate and drank better than they did before the plague, and even wore fancy furs that used to be reserved for their betters. At the same time, higher wages and lower rents squeezed landlords, many of whom failed to hold on to their inherited privilege. Before long, there were fewer lords and knights endowed with smaller fortunes than there had been when the plague first struck. But these outcomes were not a given. For centuries, and indeed millennia, great plagues and other severe shocks have shaped political preferences and decision-making by those in charge. The policy choices that result determine whether inequality rises or falls in response to such calamities. And history teaches us that these choices can change societies in very different ways. 
Looking at the historical record across Europe during the late Middle Ages, we see that the elites did not readily cede ground, even under extreme pressure after a pandemic. During the great rising of England's peasants in 1381, workers demanded, amongst other things, the right to freely negotiate labour contracts. Nobles and their armed levies put down the revolt by force in an attempt to coerce people to defer to the old order. But the last vestiges of feudal obligations soon vanished. Workers could hold out for better wages, and landlords and employers broke ranks with one another to compete for scarce labour. Elsewhere, however, repression carried the day. In late medieval Eastern Europe, from Prussia and Poland to Russia, nobles colluded to impose serfdom on their peasantries to lock down a depleted labour force. This altered the long-term economic outcomes of the entire region. Free labour and thriving cities drove modernisation in Western Europe, but in the eastern periphery, development fell behind. Farther south, the Mamluks of Egypt, a regime of foreign conquerors of Turkic origin, maintained a united front to keep their tight control over the land and continue exploiting the peasantry. The Mamluks forced the dwindling subject population to hand over the same rent payments in cash and kind as before the plague. This strategy sent the economy into a tailspin, as farmers revolted or abandoned their fields. But more often than not, repression failed. The first known plague pandemic in Europe and the Middle East, which started in 541, provides the earliest example. Anticipating the England ordinance of labourers by 800 years, the Byzantine emperor Justinian railed against scarce workers who demanded double and triple wages and salaries in violation of ancient customs, and he forbade them to yield to the detestable passion of avarice, in other words, to charge market wages for their labour. The doubling or tripling of real incomes reported on papyrus documents from the Byzantine province of Egypt leaves no doubt that his decree fell on deaf ears. In the Americas, Spain's conquistadores faced similar challenges. In what was the most horrific pandemic of all of history, unleashed as soon as Columbus made landfall in the Caribbean, smallpox and measles decimated indigenous societies across the Western Hemisphere. The conquistadores' advance was expedited by this devastation, and the invaders swiftly rewarded themselves with enormous estates and whole villages of serfs. For a while, heavy-handed enforcement of wage controls set by the Viceroyalty of New Spain kept the surviving workers from reaping any benefits from the growing labour shortage. But when labour markets were finally opened up after 1600, real wages in central Mexico tripled. None of these stories had a happy ending for the masses. When population numbers recovered after the plague of Justinian, the Black Death and the American pandemics, wages slid downwards and the elites were firmly back in control. Colonial Latin America went on to produce some of the most extreme inequalities on record. In most European societies, disparities in income and wealth rose for four centuries, all the way up to the eve of World War I. It was only then that a new great wave of catastrophic upheavals undermined the established order, and economic inequality dropped to lows not witnessed since the Black Death, if not the fall of the Roman Empire. In looking for illumination from the past on our current pandemic, we must be wary of superficial analogies. Even in the worst case scenario, COVID-19 will kill a far smaller share of the world's population than any of these earlier disasters did, and it will touch the active workforce and the next generation even more likely. Labour won't become scarce enough to drive up wages, nor will the value of real estate plummet, and our economies no longer rely on farmland and manual labour. Yet the most important lesson of history endures, the impact of any pandemic goes well beyond lives lost and commerce curtailed. Today, America faces a fundamental choice between defending the status quo and embracing progressive change. The current crisis could prompt redistributive reforms akin to those triggered by the Great Depression and World War II, unless entrenched interests prove too powerful to overcome. 
and that is a letter to the editor by Walter Scheidel, who wrote the book The Great Leveller, Violence and the History of Inequality from the Stone Age to the 21st Century. And I think it's an interesting perspective on COVID-19 from this sort of historical point of view, this tendency of inequality to creep up over time until some sort of catastrophe destabilises the current system. And I think it's interesting that Scheidel actually points out that the jury is still very much out on what will come out societally from this crisis that we're experiencing at the moment, and to what extent uh, elites that maintain control and obviously have vested interests in keeping this inequality in place are going to be able to continue to do that in light of what we're seeing at the moment. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Physical Attraction. You can find us on the web at www.physicalattraction.libsyn.com or www.physicspodcast.com. There you'll find the contact form where you can get in touch with us and you'll find other options for donating to the show, subscribing on Patreon and things along those lines. Take care and I hope you're all well and I'll speak to you very soon.